Disclaimer. This episode may contain language and situations that could be considered inappropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This episode will also be a review of the entire series, and as such, we'll be covering some major spoilers. If you have not watched the series yet and wish to do so blind, please refrain from watching until you have. And as always, opinions expressed are those of the individual participants and do not reflect upon the Dub Talk podcast as a whole. Now if you excuse me, time to light this up and start the show. God, why did I? <coughs> you weren't even going to see me smoke that. Ah, <coughs> oh, it tastes like burning. <coughs> the agony. <coughs> Get on with this show. <coughs> hey, come on, come on. Watch out. Hello and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a bunch of nerds get together and talk about a recent dub or a dub announcement. Today is a very special project of mine. Uh, we are diving into the bureaucracy, cutting the red tape, and slicing into some sandwich bread because we're dealing with Akka 13 Territory Inspection Department. I have to say, Roots, I'm surprised that you're feeling okay, since uh, you kind of um, had issues with those cigarettes a little couple minutes ago, and you were vomiting, and it didn't end well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was told there would be toast and cake. <laughs> the cake is always it's on the catering table. <laughs> the cake is always a lie. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> Shit, we're off to Surprise, the Surprise, there's a 14th district. It's called Aperture. <laughs> <laughs> they have these weird robots and this technology known as portals? <laughs> anyway. Okay. Their branch chief is okay. a little scary. <laughs> She's a little creepy. Gladys, right? She, she oh, sounds a little robotic. <laughs> <laughs> From Studio Madhouse and the creative geniuses behind One Punch Man, Akka 13 is a suspenseful thriller. Gene Otis, commonly known as Gene the Cigarette Peddler, is one of the most cunning agents of Akka. In a kingdom split between 13 regions, Akka serves to maintain the peace. Those working in the Syndicate consider it their life and purpose. But Gene is monitored by gazes, rumors, and snack time? Slowly, his life is swallowed up into the world's conspiracies. Whoever wrote that synopsis, like, had to throw in snack time to get the children who were like, I don't know. Oh, dude, snack time. Hell yeah. <laughs> because let's, let's... Cookies and cakes? Because let's face it. Let's face it. You gotta find some way to make a slow, kind of slow political drama at least a tad bit exciting. Because let because let's be honest here, Akka is not gonna be for everyone. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> right not. at least until about halfway through, when the real meat of the political coup <sighs> that sort of seeps in every little aspect of the show yep. Yep. kind of starts rearing its fangs. Yep. <laughs> to quote Chad James, Akka is like a secret club. It's like, cool, you survived through all this. Let me open the door to the premium section. <laughs> sounds about right, actually. All things considered. Hashtag slender serpent. 
Oh yeah, uh, so who are all of we? I think you should probably mention that. Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, yes! <laughs> who is here today, Ruth? I need to introduce everyone, don't I? We're off to a great start, guys! <laughs> Go right, Team Aka! <laughs> starting off, we have Team Mom, Lilac. Hello! My partner in crime, Megan. What up, bitches? And the man, the myth, the legend himself, Jet. I was told there would be cake. You said it yourself. It's after it's a, the show. You said it yourself, oh, though. It's also it. a lie, so you kind of screwed yourself there. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Contradictions. All right, and some blah, 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 yada, yada, coup d'etat. And who are you, beautiful, sir? Beautiful animation. Who are you, sir? <laughs> Mr. Host, you can argue you about that later. Awesome right, soundtrack. So Oh god, and that uh the opening. Yeah, can I just say cuz I think this is um probably the third show that was adapted by um the manga from Natsume Ono. But this is the first one that I am aware of that has an actual dub to it. Cuz House of Five Leaves and um Ristorante Paradiso uh they were both released by Nozomi and neither one of them has a dub to it. Um Okay, so Ristorante Paradiso was was Nozomi, like you said. Mm -hmm. um, House of Five Leaves was originally simulcast by Funimation. Right. They did not they did not opt to pick up the home video rights, and, and instead elsewhere. those went to NIS America. Right, 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 right. Opted not to dub well, it. Well, it fared better than Rainbow did. A moment of silence. <laughs> and then I think um, I think it was just a couple months ago where um, House of Five Leaves went um, out of print too from um, NIS. It went out of print. Um, Crunchyroll, who later picked up the streaming rights, also lost those rights. So it is now completely unavailable in the U.S. Oh damn! Unless somebody decides to pick it up. But it's okay. I bought it on DVD before it went out of print, so I'm good. <laughs> that and I have that. a. That and I have Restaurante Perdicio too. Because Natsume Ono's style is actually, I would say, it's pretty unique. Both in like character yeah. and the themes and the stories that she writes. Because the three, if you were compared to three of them, Aka, um, Five Leaves, and Restaurante Perdicio, each of one are completely different from each other, but they have kind of this, like a similar tone, a similar feel to them, um, fairly similar. Um, Content-wise, a lot of slow burn political kind of aspects. Um, maybe not so much in Restaurante Perdicio, but kind of get what I mean. They're all kind of similar yeah. in that way. And her art kind of—it's going to be a kind of a strange comparison, but her art kind of has this Mike Mignola feel to it, mm. with a lot of bold, thick color, particularly with um, with Aka and later. A work that is currently unlicensed, um, Lady and Old Man. That's an interesting title. Uh, it's like, it's like 50s, 60s Hollywood. It's nice. Viz, please pick it up because it's like Shueisha. Mm. Uh, well, if they do Vertical Might, like 10 years from now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we've been chatting long enough. Why don't we. Yeah, get oh, to the actual <laughs> show. <laughs> yes. All right, so let us get to the meat and bones with our ADR staff. Woohoo! Yay! Um, since we're not doing predictions, since this is a uh, uh, dub review. And there's also so many freaking characters again. Uh, 
so many. Ah, uh, yes, characters. time to go over every branch member. <laughs> no, we're not going that far. Oh my god. Damn it, we're not fucking not... rombooing it. Fuck. No, we're not. We'd be here all fucking night. <laughs> Excuse me, Roots and I got that done in under an hour and a half. Which I'm very surprised well, about, by the way. Phrasing, Lana. <laughs> <laughs> Phrasing! <laughs> Anyway. Okay. Anyway, um, our ADR director is Christopher Bevins, and our ADR scriptwriter primary, because there were probably also some people doing like minor script working as well, but he's the only one listed. Um, J. Michael Tatum. Huzzah! <laughs> yeah. And you would know Christopher Bevins from Drifters, Ping Pong the Animation. <laughs> Uh, the Heroic Legend of Arzon, or Princess Jellyfish. I'm freaking dying over here. <laughs> I'm freaking dying over here. I'm trying to freaking overthrow the government over here. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> okay, and um, you would know J. Michael Tatum's script writing from shows such as 91 Days, um, both seasons, the live-action movie. And the chibi spinoff of Attack on Titan. Oh my god, he did Except... everything. I didn't realize that. <laughs> Shit. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> um, assassination be... Classroom Buzzing and also Koro Sensei Quest attached to that. Uh, and uh, Steinsgate. So many things. Um, so what did you all think of the direction and scripts? Uh, I have a lot of words, so I'm probably going to go last. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Jet's ongoing battle <laughs> I wonder with what his problem is. Um, I'll kind of go first, because, I mean, I know we're skipping predictions, but originally, I mean, probably a good amount of people thought initially this was going to be handled by Bevins, at the very least directing-wise. Because this, this is a show that I could see him directing hands down. Because, I mean, he's done... Like, he's done the action shows like Drifter Shore, but he's done the more political heavy series like Arzine, because there are really heavy political pieces to it. So, personally, I thought Bevins was a really good shoe-in. And then Tatum, Tatum honestly was another, like, instant shoe-in in terms of writer for me, because 91 Days or Attack on Titan, because um, I think in certain historical periods, or if there's not really, well, sorry, with more historical contexts or accents or region-based kind of shows, I feel like Tatum. That's one of his stronger, some of his stronger shows that he's written for. And personally, I think Akko was one of the stronger ones. There were a couple pieces here and there, some lines like occasionally where that didn't quite work. But I think. Because I loved his script for 91 Days. This was also a really solid script. And in Bevan's case, directing-wise, he pulled out some fun little stops going here. A lot of fun little stops in terms of casting and performances, and I just enjoyed every second of it, honestly. I guess I'll go after Steph, because I kind of want to continue her point. Script-wise, I think this is probably one of the stronger Tatum scripts that I've, like, particularly noticed. Because... I think he does very well when there's less fighting, but more talking. Mm. Because one of the best parts of Akka is that a lot of its action is driven by dialogue. 
mm-hmm. and like visual cues than it is by like straight up like punching somebody or screaming out the exact plot. It's not like you're you're sitting there watching Aaron spout off his mission to kill all the Titans because his mom died. It's more or less, okay, here's this conversation that has seven different levels to it and seven different threads running through it that all end up at the same point of unravelment. And I think that he captures that really well. The other thing I think that he captured... And I think it might be stronger in the Japanese just because I feel like there's certain themes in the show that don't necessarily translate to the U.S. as well. Because um, one of the things about Akka is is that the country that makes up... Is it... Doha is the kingdom, correct? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, and I believe it's also the name of the overall country as well. Yeah, Doe is one of the districts. It's actually the district where the heart would be on the bird, because the fun thing about the country is that it's shaped like a bird. For some uh, the, some stupid reason. As the show likes it's to point like out all the time. <laughs> um, Doe is at the heart, but one of the things is that all it's a unified nation under a single banner, but each country still retains its own individual identity. Mm-hmm. And I think there's it's saying something about the difference between like individuality and like unified vision, which I think America and Japan both have separate visions on, which is a whole other political argument. And I think Tatum captured that. My thing is that I think he was good in this because of Bevin's direction. Bevin's, I've noticed as a director, just from reading his tweets and stuff, he enjoys anime that can be spread out to a wider audience and Mm. honestly Akka kind of is because it's not what people traditionally think of anime and I think he said this is one of his favorite shows that he's ever gotten to retell on his Twitter and it really shows there's a couple of things with certain characters I know Roots and I were discussing it uh, that revealed really good twists by accident Mm. um I know that character we're talking about, I'll mention it when we talk about that person. I think there's little technical things like that. Like, somewhat, like a voice filter wasn't used to mask somebody's voice. Because that actor has a very predominant speaking way of speaking, so you'll know who it is if you've listened to enough anime. And I think the writing sometimes can do that, but overall I think it's a really good solid effort. Okay, well, since Jet has some... <clears throat> has some words to say. Um, dun dun dun. <laughs> um, overall, Bevins is the perfect director for a show like this. Um, there are a lot of delicate moving parts that are easy to overlook and, you know, break. It's like a clock. It's kind of funny because he's not directing Clockwork Planet, apparently, but that's how it's over there. Um,. But yeah, it's... This show functions a lot like a clock. There are a lot of very, very small parts. Easy to misplace, easy to break. But for the most part, everything was kept as intact as humanly possible. Um, And I do have to say, as with a lot of us, I do have a lot of problems with Tatum's script writing. 
Um, in particular, 91 Days kind of felt like, you know, a prohibition chain restaurant. Just, be just because of how much slang was thrown out, it <clears throat> didn't quite feel realistic. But considering that this show is mostly consisting of, you know, well-educated adult characters... Um, it plays very well to Tatum's scriptwriting strengths, which is, as Megan said, subtle, nuanced dialogue. And I do have to say, with Attack on Titan Season 2, he is doing a bit better, namely from the conversation between um, Emir and... Uh, oh god, what was her Krista. actual name? Uh, Krista. Yeah, just go with Krista for now. Where they were, you know, where they were conversing with Sasha but they were also kind of digging at each other. But then again, you know, there was also, just last night, I have the right to get trashed, so... <sighs> oh, no! I haven't watched last night's episode yet! Oh, I was slightly uh, catching up on some things, and I mean, Ymir said the word leave at one point. <laughs> I was about to say, too, oh, yeah. yeah the... Well... <laughs> I said, eh, well, Baizo hadn't gotten around, had gotten around like, to the dub, and I probably won't now, but... <laughs> it was just one scene where it was used so far, so far but it's, it was bad. It wasn't bad. Thankfully, his habits didn't really come out to play in Akka. Mm. It was a more than serviceable dub, and I would actually consider recommending it over the subs. Oh, yeah, I would too, actually. <clears throat> just because of how much was, you know, retained. Alright, uh, so Jet, you had things to say. Yep. Okay, so as far as Christopher Bevins goes, I mean, well, uh, I mean, well, at this point, Christopher Bevins is pretty easily regarded one of Funimation's best directors, so I'm pretty happy with everything he does. And now I think... The now we gotta strap ourselves in, kids? Is this, is it time? No, no, I'm not done yet, like... And I also okay. agree with you guys, I think he's like pretty well suited to this kind of show because he does stuff like Terror and Residence and all of that. So. Mm -hmm. Okay, and as for J. Michael Tatum, well. Okay, okay, so if you've listened to any episode I've been on where we've talked about Tatum, you'll know I'm not really a fan of his work, like, at all. Mostly, okay, mostly to the point where if he's on a show, it. <laughs> So it will actually set off red flags for me. So when I heard he was on this one, I was a little bit worried, to say the least. But to my surprise, he actually turned out a really good script for this one. Because I, I mean, I didn't have any serious issues with it. He stayed on point. The dialogue was pretty good. I mean, there's a couple of little hiccups here and there, but for the most part, it's very solid. And I'd actually go to say that it's probably the best script I've seen from him in the last few years. So... J. Michael Tatum pretty much made me eat my hat, and I guess that's the highest words of praise that I could give this dub. Wow, there we go. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, a lot of hats were probably, <laughs> probably. <laughs> over the course of three months. Probably. Like, this is, yeah, this is probably one of the, at least in terms of, like, dubs for so far this year, this is probably one of my favorites and the best ones I've seen so far. Yeah, this is probably my f my personal favorite. Uh, I know a lot of people have been throwing Dragon Maid around as their best dub so wait, far. Wait, but wait, I... wait, wait, really? <laughs> yes. Apparently, yes. Wow. Uh, I've, I, haven't, but... I have not seen Dragon Maid, mind you. 
I have issues with its writing. Yeah, episode one notwithstanding, it's not a bad dub. But yeah, episode, episode I wouldn't one consider writing it the best. notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> which, that's another argument for another day that we've already fucking done. Um, yeah. But I think this is, this honestly though, like, I was super surprised at, one, how much the dub actually drew me into wanting to finish the show. Because I feel like this is kind of how, um, I know Roots might understand the sentiment because I know he's finished the show. How kind of you, Amon, and Gigi actually felt compelled to finish Token Rambu Hanamaru because the dub made it more enjoyable than the sub was. Yeah, yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Like, I mean, I was enjoying watching the show sub, but it wasn't really, like, hooking me all that well. And yeah. when I watched the dub, I was like, yep, this works. I think, is this one of those shows in that rare class of, it's a good show sub, but have you listened to it and watched it Yeah, dub? yeah, I think, it's, yeah, I think it's really because, like, Definitely. I think it's maybe because there's, like, so much dialogue that it's just kind of easier to watch it dubbed. That kind of helps, but it also kind of, I also kind of think because like Megan was talking about Bevins really enjoyed working on this one and it was one of his favorites and you can tell a lot of like time and effort was put into this show so you can tell right. he really really wanted to make it something amazing and I think it turned out really well because that think, extra time and effort went into it and I think one of the best ways you can honestly tell that you may enjoy a sub better than the dub is when characters who you barely remember show up again for no reason and start talking you can all tell that they're voiced by different people mm -hmm. and that they still retain their own distinct personalities I believe it's in episode oh I think it's in the last episode or the episode before um, when all of the branch operatives are all in this one room talking to each other. Yes. And you can tell each of them apart, not by the way that they look, because you've maybe met these people for like five, ten minutes max at certain points on screen, but you can tell them and their personalities apart because their voices are each so distinct from each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know... Something else I kind of want to bring up, because we're not doing every branch chief one by one. Thank God. Um, I do have to give a special shout out to uh, Greg Ayers. Uh, okay, was he the was he the crazy old guy in the fucking beach district? With, with Brian yeah, Massey? Yeah, he was that, the old... Wait, yeah, he, he was the old guy in the beach district. Wait, you yes. tell that was him? That was like... <laughs> I, well, for me, I watched that I episode I didn't know who like that was. Ago. Like, I watched that, I watched that episode months ago. It's been a little while since I saw that episode. <laughs> you could absolutely tell it was Greg Ayers. Yeah, like, absolutely. But, <laughs> I but just the love character the fact that it was itself, him and Brian Massey. <laughs> the character itself is so out of type for him <laughs> that it's it was just kind of refreshing. Like, oh, yeah, that's Greg Ayers playing an old man. <laughs> that's kind of cool. <laughs> can, I just, <laughs> can I just say for five seconds... Vic Mignogna is the man with the golden gun. <laughs> the one-off yeah, character like, oh, for hey, five minutes. Vic Mignogna's out to kill G. Notice. I was like, oh shit. But like, <laughs> uh, one of the other ones I really enjoyed was uh, Sandpiper is his name, and I forget what district he is, but it's Anthony Bowling. And <laughs> I remember. It was. Uh, hold on, let me. I don't remember which district notes. either, but it yes. was. Do, 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 do. Uh, Sweet Sue. Okay, Sweet Sue. Um. 
Sandpiper, and he just whistles the opening theme to Akka, and he has this personality on him that is like, hey, let's go, like, like that type. And I was like, damn, I wonder who plays him. And it was Anthony Bowling. Um, you have uh, Micah Solosad as the little kid in the snow district. Um, I believe the little Tintin-looking motherfucker is Orion Pitts. Yes, it is Orion. <laughs> o- Orion. 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 Orion like, like, that is the litmus test of a good, just solid all-around cast is easily these characters could have been bland and forgettable and except for the ones who are put in key positions like J. Michael Tatum's Warbler um, yeah. or the girl from the district with all the big food. Um, yeah. Like, all of them have distinct personalities and these moments with them. And it's really nice to see because, again, they could have just been lost in the shuffle. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, are we ready to move on? Yep, yeah, we probably should because we're like 30 minutes into the thing. We haven't gotten to any characters. <laughs> well, well, I mean, well, I mean, I guess bottom line, like staffing wise, like, hell yes. Amazing. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Like, magical combination. Mm, it's a beautiful combination. Mm-hmm. Alright, so to start off on our characters, um, we have Gene Otis's cubicle mates. Um, basically, we are starting with the snack trio. Snack squad! <laughs> snack squad! <laughs> basically, Lilac, Megan, and Gigi in anime. Yes, <laughs> honestly. Uh, the green haired Kelly, the pink haired Autry, and the blue haired Moz. Um, Kelly is played by Anastasia Munoz, who you would know from, uh, Nerberol, i.e. Nabe in Overlord. Uh, Quinn in Death Parade, and she is Coco, she is Loco, I said, oh no. <laughs> she plays Coco Hekmatyar Ooh, in Yormungan. I still need to see Yormungan. <laughs> and I own it, too. Wait, really? Yeah. I I've owned Cowboy Bebop for two years and I still haven't watched it. Okay, you have committed blasphemy, Megan. I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to stop you, Jet Chat. I'm say, my crime is not as bad as hers in this situation. <laughs> we don't talk about that. I just have not gotten time to sit down and act. I'm going to strap you down, Jet Chat. About the same. About the same. Guys, my shelves would tell you that I buy a lot of shows, but like maybe a quarter of them I've actually completed thoroughly. (laughs) I'm terrible. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Um, The pink-haired Autry is voiced by Alex Moore, who you would know as Theo Vanetti in 91 Days. And personal note, I am totally sorry for confusing you for Monica Rial in the 91 Days episode. Just putting that out there. Um, Hibiki Haruna in Fuka. And Mitsuba Sangu in Seraph at the End. Who desperately needs more love, and if you cosplay Mitsuba or also love Mitsuba, just tweet at Alex. She's really nice. She's cool. She's a sweetheart. And the blue-haired Maz is played by Sarah Wiedenheft, who I always screw up her name because I took like five years of German, <laughs> and I pronounced it Wiedenheft for a while. Again, I'm sorry. Um, 
You would know her as Mikela Watch in Blood Blockade Battlefront. She played Shihoru in Grimgar Ashes and Illusions, which I now have to get used to that name because Funimation changed it. Yeah, that, uh, that might be you... that might be more of a Japan thing that they made them change. Probably. Yeah, at any rate, we can't make that joke anymore. <laughs> yeah. Damn it! That's why they changed it. We couldn't call it. Gr- but now we can call it Grimgar Asses an illusion. <laughs> God damn go. it! <laughs> and you would also know her as Toru in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. All right. So, what did you guys think of the snack trio? Snack uh, Squad is best squad. They were pretty fun background characters, I guess. I don't really have too many words beyond that. Yeah, they were really <laughs> fun. They were adorable background characters. They were basically the gossipy women in the office. Because <laughs> the amount of times they'll go to some of the other people in either whether it's at the branch or oh, Lada for that Lada for that one ep- Lada or Rail for what, that one episode for like two seconds. They're just now Keith. <laughs> they're these gossipy these they're basically these gossipy girls that you might find at work. That's basically they what they are. They also love to eat. So many snack squad. Snack squad is best. I squad. like them a lot. Like they were they were I can't tell them apart for the fucking life of me. Except for I know which one Anastasia Munoz is because she's got the deepest voice. Yup. <laughs> I know which one Anastasia is. I, I love you, Alex. I love you, Sarah. But God, you two sound really similar. Um, in this show, I'm obviously Snack Ping, uh, just because Snack Ping seems like the ter- the troublemaker the most. Um, but I think again, one of my favorite moments is actually her and the three of them and the one girl from the fishing district pinning Potato Girl to the fridge <laughs> when they're like, "Tell us the deets. Are you really dating him?" Like. Are you dating Jean? No, it's this other guy. What? Dating the old guy. Gossip! That and at the end. I really think these two make a great couple. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they were also working with the royal family. Because <laughs> I believe uh, uh, Sarah's was calling um, Moggy uh, at one point. When they were spying on Lada. But uh, I thought they were adorable as Sin and Fantastic. Yeah, definitely. They were a lot of fun, yeah. And it would also pay to have Funimation have them do a commentary of them in character. Oh, God, that would be perfect. That would be Have the three of them, plus, because we're going to talk about them in a second probably, not and maybe Owl, all five of them in a room together for a commentary. But they have to keep in character the entire time. Yep. Minimum, those three girls, plus not minimum. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I, I don't know what episode they would do. Probably, uh, I would pay do them all. <laughs> all the whole like, separate commentary, like separate, separate commentary track. <laughs> I was gonna just, say just episode eight would be the dish best. Gossip on everybody. <laughs> episode eight like, would, that would be, be hysterical. The best. <laughs> oh god! By the way, episode eight is where like there's been a couple of bombs. That's when the big one just comes out and implodes the show. <laughs> yeah. Followed next episode by a bigger bomb. Yep. Followed by the granddaddy of them all at the end. <laughs> but we will be getting to that one. Oh man! Very very soon. All right. So, um, are we ready to move on? Yes. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have just 
couple of random members of the uh, of the Bodon District, Aka Branch. Um, we have another cubicle mate of Jean's, uh, not the married one. You mean the guy the, with uh, all the, the kids? One who's yeah, the one whose wife left them. And he has they like got, three they, kids. They got back together. Yeah, they get back together right at the end. <laughs> yeah, right at the end. Um, we have Jean Otis's boss, Owl. Weird name, by the way. Well, there's a reason for that. Fair. Um, and kind of the the plucky asshole cop. <laughs> you want to call him that? <laughs> um, Rail. Can I which, say by the way, gotta gotta give a special shout out to our good friend Uncle Marcus for playing Rail's partner. Yes. <laughs> Who gets yes. no name, but we're gonna just call him Marcus now. <laughs> or yeah. Chaser. His name is Chaser, so together they can be the Rail Chaser. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Good go. night, everybody. <laughs> I'll be here all da -da -da -da. Da -da -da -da. Uh No, but going uh, off of the cheat sheet code names, Not is Snack Guy, Owl is Snack Stash, and Rail is just Fuck You. <laughs> Though, to be fair, he gets better. He gets Rail better gets in better. The I got better. <laughs> I got toast. Don't More in the way okay. of the toast religion, and you shall be healed of your assholeness. No, it's only a flesh wound. I got better. Does that make Lana a witch? Because, by the way, Rail has the hugest freaking crush on Lana. As if the opening yeah. of the show did not give it away with hard eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was it hard eyes or was it just him holding his hand around his heart area and it just bolt, bolt, bolt? Both, I think. <laughs> I think it's both. Okay, there we go. Okay, that makes Let's sense. just solidify that this character has a crush on this character. <laughs> Done. I ship it. <laughs> I ship it too, actually. They make I ship it couple. FedEx overnight. <laughs> <laughs> so who voices okay. these three roots? <laughs> okay, so Nut is voiced by Josh Greeley. Who you would know from, like, everything these days, but in particular... <laughs> I'm gonna punch you, Megan. Okay, Megan, so do it. Bad. Do it. No! I'm bringing Not sexy now. Josh. Yeah! Why now? You other actors don't know how to act. Well, yes, you do, because you're great actors and you're all in this show. Yeah! Right. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you. I swear to God. When I see you in August, I'm gonna kill you. I, by the way, guys, if I die, please search the surrounding Dallas-Fort Worth area <laughs> for, for my body. <laughs> if I haven't Heads been- up, guys. Or whatever you do, don't go into that freaky castle in Denton. Seriously, it's filled with rich weirdos. <laughs> also, castles don't have phones, asshole. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Back on I will topic, give anybody were... <laughs> in the chat money if you know what I'm referencing. Megan, shut up. <laughs> Let Roots finish. Back on topic. In particular, you would know Josh Greeley as Armin in Attack on Titan. Ooh! Or Sir Screams a lot. <laughs> so uh, you would know him as Nobuchika Ginoza in Psycho Pass. Yes. <laughs> and, um... Uh, Oh god, I, I feel like I'm forgetting one. You're probably forgetting I don't know. a lot. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I don't know, Roots. 
maybe if you put your head on ice or something. Yeah, so, uh, so, uh, I can give you a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Kenichi and Kenichi, the Mighty's Disciple. I think uh, he's making a joke, Jet. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh... Like, I, I think there was this show. I, I don't know if anybody's heard of it. Um, Dude, I love Drifters. Yuri on Ice, I believe is the title. I don't think I've um, heard yes. of that one before. Yeah. Like, some guy named Yuri Kotsky? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't I know. It it's it's like just here on my list. I, I gotta read it off. So, so, by the way, I think it's safe to say we all love Josh Gurley as a human being. <laughs> just saying. Moving on... Um, you would know Sonny Strait as Usopp in One Piece. You would know him as both Krillin and Bardock in the Dragon Ball franchise. Uh, Koro Sensei in the Assassination Classroom franchise. And he also plays President Mike in the first season of My Hero Academia. And by the way, since this news came out in between episodes that he had to be replaced basically permanently on My Hero Academia due to reasons. Um, the Dub Talk crew would like to wish Sunny Straight get well soon, man. Mm -hmm. Peace. And to you, Pineapple Man, Godspeed. Godspeed, Dave Trost. Pineapple Man. Apparently, and, we're uh, also, apparently he thinks it's a, cr a crime if you've never seen Back to the Future. <laughs> Nice. Well, okay, it well, is. I go to jail then. <laughs> oh, hey, I can you. Ooh, we need to fix that next time we <laughs> see each other at a con. There's a lot of things we need to fix already. Let's see. So we have Jet to see Back at the Future, Back to the Future, and Megan has to see Bebop. So I haven't seen Back to the Future either. Oh shit! <laughs> I, I need have to finish Princess Jellyfish. What? But that's neither here nor there. Um, and Aaron Dismuke. Uh, you would know him as Prince Arslan in the Heroic Legend of Arslan. Uh, Yutaka Peiko Hoshino in Ping Pong the Animation. Woo! Uh, Yu Harune in Fuka. And also, he was Alphonse Elric in the original Full Metal Alchemist, which unfortunately is out of print and not streaming anywhere anymore. Well, I. Um, but I have it, so... I own it, too. Straight. I own it as well. I, 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 I own was... it. And I own it. And fucking Maniplex. And he was also the teenage uh, Hohenheim in Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, which thankfully you can stream, despite it not being on disc anymore on Crunchyroll. Alright, so, what did we think of these three characters? Aaron's a little shit, and I love it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what else is new? Like, Aaron's a little shit. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, mean yeah, I have noticed he, he does play a lot of more jerk characters lately, which is always kind of weird because I still kind of deeply associate him with original Alphonse, right? mm. <laughs> who's just kind of like the sweet cinnamon roll, so he can just play all these talking characters. That and really I mean, weird. like, you had, you had him as a sweet cinnamon roll, and at least, like, a couple years ago, he was also... Arslan, and he was Leo too in Blood Bowl K Battlefront. But at least lately, he's been have, getting to have a lot more fun with these different kinds of characters. Um, his character in Nanbaka is hilarious. Yeah, I saw him that dumb, actually. But you need to I fix feel like that. I feel like Nanbaka trained him for his time as a cop on the street, on the hard streets of the Botan district. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, I gotta say, this is the case in, uh, you know, with Game of Thrones, with, like, 
even in live action shows, <clears throat> any character that you want to personally give a black eye, like that says a lot about their performance. Mm. And God, I wanted to give Rail a black eye. But Rail he gets is... better though. Yeah, he. Thank God he gets better because literally our chart. His name is fuck you for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Just just to give a little bit of an idea, for example, the fir one of the first encounters we have with Rail, he tries to pin an arson case on Gene by taking his lighter and his intention was planting it somewhere at a crime scene. Luckily, Gene knew what the hell was going on and found him quickly. But he came to the power of toast. So he got converted to the good side. Came to the power because of in this, toast. In the world love. of Akka, bread fixes everything. <laughs> and you know, thwarting an assassination attempt, it, it kind of also changes a guy, you know? Yeah, that yeah, too. That too. And I, I really do, like, we're joking about Aaron being a jerk, but honest to God, his performance in episode 9, where he's trying to get Lada to safety. Yes. Is fantastic. That's definitely the height of that performance for him, I would say. That, yeah, that was tense as all get out. Yeah, uh, I was also uh, pretty happy with Sunny Strange's performance. Like, I mean, it's always kind of nice that he can do kind of laid back, pretty chill characters. And I was kind of really, really surprised by the twist with his character at the very end of the show. But <laughs> me too. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> okay, I... now. <clears throat> that was the role that Megan was referring to yes. earlier in the episode. Because um, it wasn't particularly the reveal of who he was. But it uh, I kind of figured something was up with him a little earlier than I think I should have. Mainly because, you know, Sunny Strait's voice is so distinctive. Mm. <clears throat> and when he was talking with... Um, with Nino over the phone, you could tell it was him. And since he was introduced as Owl, like, beforehand, it I kind of was able to put two and two together by, like, episode two or three. I didn't even recognize it that early on, but then again... Like, yeah, I, I, I probably wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah, I wasn't paying that much attention, and this was also, like, three months ago when the simuldub started. But then I picked up on it because I was watching the last three episodes. I hadn't finished the show until today. And I was watching the last three episodes, and one of the later conversations before we find out who it actually is on the phone. Like, he has at least one other conversation with Nino on the phone. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, and it's shit. not Again, it's not something that is a knock against Bevins or Sunny, and it probably could be easily fixed with filtering the voice through something uh, or some some other thing, but... I actually really, I also too enjoyed Owl as a character in Sunny's performance of it, because he had this weird sense of, like, your weird dad charm. Mm. <laughs> yeah, like, he definitely had a Captain Dad vibe. Yeah, yep. like, he had the weird dad vibe, and it worked really well. <laughs> yeah, again, the, the, the episode where Rail is trying to get Lotta to safety, and then all of a sudden, when you think it's about to turn to shit... Here comes Sunny Straight <laughs> coming in to save the day. That's Dad actually senses. where I figured out who it was because there's a lot of things that he knew about those guards that I don't feel mm. like he would have. True. Very true. He would have as just a, a, the, his level in Akka. Mm. Like, That's very true. I think he would knew that they were from Doa, but I don't think he would have known royal family stuff. 
because we don't see the royal family and the guard of the royal family interact with Akka very much. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that would have been a logical point to start turning the gears on that revelation, but... Show hides that one. Uh, yep. In terms yeah. of Josh is not, he kind of... He's a good performance, but again, he's kind of like the snack gossip child. Yeah. 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 I don't really remember too much about the character, honestly. So. <laughs> Other than that, and he had like a bunch of kids. He disappears into the background. Like they show up for a for a party, and that was basically the only point I remember him from. Yeah. And it's not a knock against Josh Greeley. It's just the character doesn't show up much. Yeah. But mm -hmm. at least to Josh's credit, because it's one of the more mature characters he's voiced before. So that's always an interesting touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going from, instead of voicing, like, an Armin character, getting a character like this one. Mm -hmm. It was basically why I brought up Ginoza in the, uh... Exactly. In the character lineup. Mature characters are always good. Yeah, it, it seems like the kind of kind of thing you would kind of like to do. Mm, absolutely. Every once in a while. when When you're used to playing, like, teenagers and kids, like, getting a... Screaming children getting for a, 20 episodes. <laughs> ah! You know, getting a nice divorced dad every once in a while. Yeah. Just seems like a nice palate cleanser. <laughs> totally. Totally does. Look here, I just had to play 12 episodes of the worst human being on Earth. I need to clean my palate. <laughs> God damn it. And yes, I am talking about Masamune from Masamune Kun's. I dad. haven't even seen that show, uh, but I've been told that apparently he carries the show on his own. It's phenomenal. Uh, so I, wa like, I watched one episode of that show and went, nope. <laughs> yeah, he it makes... seems like Mean Girls the animation. Man, say, I've, been told that, I've been told that Josh is the one person that makes it tolerable. <laughs> But I didn't like his character. <laughs> I haven't seen the show. I'm just going off of what you guys tell me. Mostly Hardy. Because <laughs> Hardy's the one who has the opinion that he made the show tolerable to him. Okay, so I guess we're ready to move on. <laughs> are, are you guys ready to move oh, on? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm ready to go to the royal court, sir. Alright. Off to Doha we go. Alright, starting off, we have the Ailing King, whose condition is starting to worsen and basically starts up the coup itself. Uh, King Fulka II. And then you have his grandson. <laughs> uh, the Crown Prince, who is whose succession of King Fulka threatens the existence of Akka as a whole. Also, and he's a human lawnmower. <laughs> God damn it! Um, Prince Schwan. Um, you have King Falka's advisor, who kind of sets into motion some stuff in episode 8. That ends up leading to, you know, the coup. Um, Qualm. And you have the prince's cinnamon roll advisor. Slash guard. Maggie. Slash guard. <laughs> Who also likes toast. <laughs> Part of the, uh, the, whose the love of sandwich toast. bread saves everybody. Yes. <laughs> the lesson to take from Akka today, folks. Sandwich bread saves the world. <laughs> sandwich bread saves lives. Yes. Wonder bread. <clears throat> Confounding the bourgeoisie since 1920-something, rather. <laughs> okay, so... 
King Falka II is played by my man Randy Perlman. Oh, uh, uh, Sword Rorty sister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Prince Schwan by Damon Mills. Salt, Salt man. Uh, Qualm by Kent Williams. Yay! And Moggy by Justin Briner. Yay! <laughs> you would know Randy Perlman as the Sword Rorty sister, Jirotachi from Token Rambu Hanamaru. It's my nickname sake! for him. Give me sake! I, call, I think isn't the other one Ken Williams too? <laughs> Sword Go Rorty get me some booze! My Rorty beer Gamma. buzz is almost gone. Oh my God. Uh, he is, uh, Miko from, insert title, oh, oh, crap, um, I mean Shangri-La, sorry, Shangri-La. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say something that- Oh, wait, I, <laughs> I own the Shangri-La that doesn't say insert oh. proper title here. Oh my god, I thought you were gonna, like, you were trying to reveal, like, a show that, he, that we aren't supposed to talk about, and then I got the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and, I got uh, that reference. He, he is also, like, the greatest dub character in One Piece. Emporio Ivankov. I wouldn't even know who that is. Um, he is the, uh, yeah, he's... I can never get drag. Like, one of the... He's one of the revolutionaries. He's, like, in charge of a bunch of Wait, people uh, in a uh, prison. Like, like, I tried to draw up my one, my one Piece. Oh, it's that's the drag queen, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. So I was like, my knowledge only goes as far as... Oh, is he as the one idea. that looks like Frankenfurter? Yes. <laughs> my knowledge only okay, goes as Okay, now I know who that here. is. <laughs> I can't remember. I would like to thank AMV Hell for teaching me who that character is, because there is a clip of that character singing Sweet Transvestite. <laughs> And that's the he, only thing I will know from One Piece is that clip in that of that yeah. character. Randy Perlman is absolutely magnificent. Does he channel it, Tim Curry? Um, a little bit, <laughs> but he he totally makes it his own. It, it's it's wonderful, <laughs> and I would totally recommend the Impel Down arc of One Piece just for him. Uh, if only. And there were a lot of other stronger performances in the Impel arc. That impel down arc, as well. Uh, but he he steals the show. Mm. <clears throat> and in any case, um, Damon Speaking Mills. Speaking of stealing the show, um, you would know him as Giugo in Nambaka. Yes. He is Matthias Johan Weiss in Saga of Tanya the Evil, and you would also know him as Shinta Mizumura in the Holy Night OVAs from Media Blasters. He's also Yakov Smirnov from Yuri on Ice. Yep. <laughs> yeah, old man Yakov. Oh lordy. Pizeski, yep. get back here. Uh, Kent Williams. You would know him as Father from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Dr. Giroux. Supreme Kai. Elder Kai. I believe a few other people in the Dragon Ball franchise. And he is also the magnificent narrator of Ninja Slayer from animation. <laughs> He's also the Yu Yu Hakusho narrator. He's a lot of narrators. <laughs> He's a lot of things. And Justin Briner. You would know him as Deku Midoriyama from My Hero Academia. Uh, Michaela Hyakuya from Seraph of the End. And Prince Alfonso San Valiente from Garo the Animation. Garo! Garo! Garo. That was pathetic. Garo. Garo! Garo! 
Okay, uh, well, I didn't really have too much of an opinion on uh, Randy Newman as a king, but I, I mean, he sounded pretty good. Like, I didn't have too much of an opinion on that character, but wait, he wait, sounded... wait, did you call him Randy Newman? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm Randy Newman. I'm Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> My grandson is in yeah. Well, this is already off to a great start. We're gonna strip my daughter's okay. name off the uh, register and start a coup. Billy, I we're co-sailing no more. And you oh, I just got that. Oh God, that makes sense. That makes sense in the context of the show too. In the words, in the words of DJ Khalid, congrats, you played yourself. Okay, uh, so going uh, further down the list. <laughs> Just keep going, Chad. Yes, uh, uh, I also like Kent Williams a lot as the A because Kent Williams is—he just has a really awesome voice, and I really like listening to it. Um, as for David Mills, it's actually like the first time I've really heard him in anything aside from Beery on Ice. So when I first heard his voice, I seriously mistook him for Todd Habercorn a few times. A mistake I've actually it's made. It's funny you twice. say that, because when I was making <laughs> predictions, I was thinking, like, Todd. For Schwant. For yeah. Schwant. Yeah. Wow. This asshole prince, nicknamed <laughs> Fuck You Too. But, um... <laughs> Actually, like, the one prediction I remember is, uh, Vic Mignogna, Shwan. Mainly oh God, because of... Mamoru Miyano! <laughs> yeah, like, Mamoru Miyano was basically the reason I thought up of it. But... Don't you yeah. even... Okay. <laughs> but we'll... You had to bring up the curse. <laughs> we'll bring up the curse for a later I think character. the curse has finally been lifted. I think Robbie David kind of does the Mamoru Miyano stuff now. <laughs> Well, it's Matt. Mer I think uh, he's Matt Mercer in P5, but um, no, sorry, sorry, there was a while. There was a while where, like, like I confused with Todd Habercorn a few times, but I guess that really kind of, but I guess that pretty much speaks to how well he kind of plays a swarmy prince character because he played it really great. It's like, and so, I mean, the character's kind of, I mean, the character's pretty much standard jerk, but uh, it was a really entertaining performance. And as for Justin Brider as the cinnamon roll guard, he played the cinnamon roll quite well. Like, so, uh, yes, I mean, at this point, I'm pretty much happy with anything Justin Brider does. Like, he's like he was great in Surf of the End. He's great in My Hero Academia, and I'm just really happy with everything he's doing right now. You really, you really need to watch non Blockbuster. I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because if you, if you. Because if you thought Damon's range just is, can be just restricted basically to Yakov and then Prishwan here, Jugo is completely different too. Mm. I mean, it's not interesting. Yeah, like, that guy's like, a wizard. Bucket. The ultimate voice acting wizard here. <laughs> That's hold it. On, We're hold done. On. I mean, like I got like I got like midway through the show, so that it kind of lost me. But I might get. Were you watching? Chance. Were you about to say? Were you, were you watching the dub or the Japanese? Uh, so, uh, Japanese, like, I didn't feel like going back to watch the dub. <laughs> well, go back and watch the dub, because the dub is freaking hilarious. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of in the same boat as Jet, Randy Perlman, and Kent Williams weren't exactly memorable to me, because they weren't there that much. Um, though, from what we had, excuse me, I did enjoy their performances. Justin Briner, the sweet 
innocent cinnamon roll too good and pure for this world who loves toast um, and is an advisor to this really big asshole, <laughs> essentially. I think it was a good performance. And I'm gonna say this right now, though, about Damon Mills. Because I said this before we started recording. He- this performance is an early contender for me for W Ward for Golden Ham. Cause this- this yeah. kid chewing all that scenery like a spiral cut ham glazed. It was beautiful. I loved every second of it. He basically would steal almost any scene he was in. And it was just so much fun. Uh, and I loved every second of it. He just devoured scenery like Pac-Man. Mm -hmm. It was great. <laughs> like I said, human lawnmower. Um, <laughs> chew that scenery. No, I'll agree with uh, Falk, a.k.a. The King, and Qualm, a.k.a. Pirate Advisor, because compared to uh, Prince Schwan and Magi, uh, they are both... Those two have such a dynamic chemistry across their voices, too. Because they do get to be a bit of a straight man comedy duo, as well as very much the heart versus the stubborn. Because there's a reason why Chuan is fuck you too. He is an asshole up until the very last moment yeah. of the show. Honestly. Um, but I love the fact that um, the two of them play off so well. Especially Justin Briner's restraint and kind of deadpan at certain mm. scenes. Like, even when Moggy gets excited, it's not like when he eats the bread, it's not like, oh, he's like, oh, like that kind of reaction. I think I don't really recall Justin ever playing a deadpan character, at least to me, as before. Mika. So. Well, Mika. Vampire. Vampire Mika. Mika's not that deadpan in actuality. <laughs> Moggy's not deadpan when it comes to Yuichiro, but to everybody else, he's like, fuck But, but Moggy is pure deadpan. <laughs> Moggy is pure deadpan compared to Mika. I'm more. I'm talking about pure deadpan character. In this case, Moggy. I was gonna say, uh, there's a prediction I made for another show, and it was kind of this reason I picked Justin to be that person, and it reminds me a lot of that character and that person's performance, but with Justin's own flair and kind of voice to it. And honestly, I I love everything is so. It's just so well between the two of them like just the whole like I think for me another one of those great moments is in episode 11 when they're on the plane together mm. and he finally calls them out about the wishes of the people Yep, that was a really good scene like yeah. the best part of Justin Briner's Muggy is it doesn't come completely up to the surface but you can kind of tell that he's just, man, if I wasn't obligated to serve you, <laughs> my two weeks would have been in the mail <laughs> months ago. He is like the fed up employee. <laughs> and like, you can tell, you can kind of hear it in his voice. I think like you said, that he wants to actually, I think also yell at Schwann, but he can't. Yeah. As for, you know, Randy Perlman and Kent Williams, they do have a lot of chemistry. I like seeing that, you know, Randy Perlman is known for the hugely flamboyant, like, 
scenery chewer characters. And to see him in this kind of be the more subtle, you know, bedridden, kind of slowish old man. It's kind of refreshing, I gotta say. And yeah, Damon, Damon Mills is golden ham material right there. I would not be surprised if he took it. So are we ready to move on? Yeah. So we are at our first three of the five chiefs of Akka. The ones who don't exactly have a big role in the show. They're all just kind of there, but they do get, like, moments here and there. Yeah. So from the District of Suitsu, we have Captain Koif, a.k.a. Pastis. <laughs> this guy. Or as I call him, Mr. Havisham. Pompadour. Uh, from the District of Jumoku, we have the guy who totally... Totally looks like, um, what's his name from Fulminal Alchemist? Maze um, Hughes. Maze Hughes. Totally Hughes. Yeah, this is actually where Hughes went after he died. Well, at least he's not as much of a clone as that one character in World Trigger. Like, there's, like, there's a character that who literally looks exactly like May Hughes, and he even has the same voice actor in Japanese. It's funny, <laughs> here's the funny thing about the, about Pine, that's the character's name, Pine. Um, the second I saw the character in the Japanese, I'm like, let this be Sunny Straight or I will riot. Obviously, that didn't end up being the case, but I'm like, oh Question. no, it would've been funny. <laughs> when we were playing the guessing game in the anime Boston line, didn't I immediately guess Sunny Straight for him too? I think you did. Too? Yeah. I think you did. That's when I went cross-eyed. <laughs> and then when I told you I think the only one like, I got what? right... I think the only one we I all joked got... about it too. Yeah. And um, from the district of Yakara, Mr. Hyrule himself, Spade. Chief Pops. I love the nickname here. Chief Pops. Fuck names. Like who? Who gave him the nicknames? I gave him the nicknames. No, they're actual names. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's not it's not world end bad, but some of them are a little strange. It. I think they're all like named after trees. Or birds. Flowers and or birds. Mm. Sounds about right. Pastis is voiced by Aaron Roberts, who plays Barbaro in 91 Days. And again, uh, I'm so sorry for screwing you, screwing you up in uh, 91 Days episode. He is Hideki Tama in Evangelion 3.33. You cannot un undo, redo. I, I can't remember that name. But anyway. Evangelion. You cannot get into Shinji's pants, Hikaru. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, he was Sunny in Toriko. And he was also Hit in Dragon Ball Super. Or at, at the very least, Xenoverse 2, but he will probably carry over. He's also the dude who crashed the plane in Seraph in the end. Blackest fucking well. <laughs> One of Megan's favorite characters from that show. That is, that is to date my favorite Aaron Roberts role, and you can all fight me. <laughs> Chris Rager is the voice of Pine. Yeah, this is when Megan went cross-eyed in the line when we were at EB. <laughs> oh no, this is the one I literally sat there and was like, you're fucking shitting me. <laughs> this is the one I call bullshit on. <laughs> You would know him as asshole principal Gakuho Asano in the Assassination Classroom franchise. Woo! 
you would know him as Great Gozu in <laughs> Danganronpa 3's future arc. <laughs> Great Gozu. He was, he should have been there longer, man. Was so good. You shouldn't have fallen into despair, dum-dum. <laughs> it's not his fault. You would know him as Hercule, a.k.a. Mr. Satan in yeah. the Dragon Ball franchise. he's finally called now. <laughs> oh no, wow, I forgot some... my tractor. <laughs> Ah, I forgot my tractor. Ah. And I'm surprised you didn't, guys didn't get like the House of Thousand Corpses joke I just made. I'm and um, really Arlong in One Piece. You're also forgetting a rather pertinent one, sir. And which one am I forgetting? Kaiser. Do I have to do the Kaiser from Rage of Bahamut? <laughs> I was actually trying to avoid that one so we didn't Too have to do the yell, bad. but let's do the yell. I just did, so keep moving on. Favaro! <laughs> I can't and really Marks. do the scream right now, so. <laughs> yeah, no, don't worry about it if you can't do it. Um, I'm not uh, scaring Mark your dog Stoddard. again, never again. I can't, no, I... no, she's upstairs, don't worry about it. I thought ahead this time. Good. <laughs> well played. All right. So, uh, Mark Stoddard. <laughs> Woo! You would know him as Blitz T. Abrams in Blood Blockade Battlefront. A monkey Abrams the vampire out there. My man Scipio Africanus in Drifters. Oh, man. Joe Butterfly Koizumi in Ping Pong the Animation. And a perennial favorite, Mosquito in Soul Eater. Oh, I forgot he was a Mosquito. Damn, forgot about that. Okay, so what did you guys think of the kind of more minor members of Akka's leadership? I still think- What the fuck? That was Chris Rager? I was about to say, I still find it funny that Megan calls bullshit on Chris Rager. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell that was him! I don't yeah, tell- Yeah, that was Chris Rager. Yeah, I don't think I could either, which says a lot. It, for me, it was kind of a mix of, um, maybe a little bit of Asano and maybe a little bit of Kaiser to an extent. So yeah. I knew it was Chris Rager when I heard it, yeah. But it was a really—it was also a welcome change for him because I mean, yeah. he's all—he's gone from roles from like Hercule and Great Gozu, and Pine is definitely a much more relaxed character for him to play. So, uh, Mark's then Mark Stoddard was Mark Stoddard. Mark Stoddard was Mark Stoddard. Again, predictions. I was like an authoritative old man. Mark Stoddard, <laughs> got it right. So. Yep, he had. Hey, he at least had, this time when he tried to overthrow something, he wasn't murdering everybody. <laughs> yep, I mean he had to be in this dub somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and here he is. Like, I, I really like Mark Stoddard's voice. Mm. Yep, yeah, so do I. <laughs> and I also really like the voice Chris Rager used for Pine. Mm. I loved mm. it. It was definitely a welcome change. It was kind of like. Like, yeah, it's a mix of, like, Asano and Kaiser, but it also sounds like... Because, the let's face it, this character looks like Maze Hughes. Maybe he was channeling a little bit of, like, Sonny's portrayal of Maze Hughes. I don't know. You know what? Headcanon, he was. Probably. Yeah, that'd be nice. And then... And, and then... The fucking Aaron Roberts... I had... I just... I... You could... If you told me that was Aaron Roberts, I'd tell you you're a fucking liar because I could not pin him down who that was a whole time. Yeah, between the three of them, his was probably the one that you could probably call bullshit on the most because you couldn't quite pin it down. But at the same time, he kind of plays up the dramatics considering the district that he's originally from. <laughs> like, dramatics yeah. and theatrics. So it's definitely a fun 
It's definitely a fun performance and an interesting take on that character. Jumoku, listed in my notes as the Eat the Rich District. Because mm. that <laughs> district is cut off of everything else. <laughs> yeah. Like I called it, the Great Expectations District. <laughs> <laughs> or Les Mis, the district. Yes, really, it is. Except for this time, nobody had to fall off a bridge and comedically smack onto the bottom of it. I'm sorry. I've seen the 2012 Les Mis movie one time. The part where you're supposed to cry over Javert throwing himself off the bridge, I was in hysterics because of sound effect work. Way off topic. Um, Aaron Roberts was great. I love that I had to look it up to make sure it was him. It is Because that's all, like... That's the sign that you're doing a good job acting if somebody has to actually look it up to make sure it's you. Yeah, while, while his was probably the one that you could call the most bullshit on, that you don't believe it's him, like, I could still hear twinges and inflections that I find familiar usually with his performances and his voice work, so I could still tell it was him. But out of the three, he's one of the ones where it's like, that is not his, this person. You are lying. You are high. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Yeah, I'm section. not familiar enough to pick out his... <clears throat> to pick out more nuanced voices, but yeah. Yeah, I'm a l- at least a little bit more moderately familiar. Yeah, well, I'm not familiar with him at all, so... Oh! <laughs> so how is it for you? As I, as I mean, I, I mean, I wasn't really paying that much attention to those three. I thought they all sounded pretty good. Like, I was kind of most surprised by Chris Rager because I'm used to him sounding loud. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't really... I mean, I don't really have too much more to say on those, on those three. I mean, I have a lot more to say about the next two, but... So shall we go on to those next two? Yes, sir. Not only do we have the last two of the main five, um, we also have kind of a kind of a smaller deal in the beginning who just kind of rapidly rises up the ranks. Um, so first off, we have basically the guy in, placed in charge entirely of Akka from the district of Rokusu. You, it, I think that was like the one district you don't see any of, other than you know in flashback. Um, no, I think he, have, I think he I think Gene did go there, because we oh, we did get to see Gene go to every single district to some right. capacity. I just I just don't remember it. But yeah, anyway, uh, from the district of Rokusu is Grossler, Chief Grossler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and from the district of Furarau, the third little shit of the show. <laughs> <laughs> you, who you wouldn't think was a shit until you get to the last third of the show, by the way. Like, <laughs> built the guy who built a massive house of cards on this coup. Oh and got it completely blown down in the final episode. Get wrecked, <laughs> Officer. Get wrecked. Get wrecked. We have son. Lilium. Get bent, son. <laughs> and finally, we have the pair of lungs that blew down that house of cards. Mm-hmm. Who not only wrecked Lilium, but Prince Schwan's attempts to take down Akka as well. And that is Mauve. Kick-ass woman, I love it. <laughs> Bitches, get shit done. Yes. <laughs> okay, so Grossular is played by Ian Sinclair. Surprise, surprise, because Junichi Suave. <laughs> the Junichi Suave curse. <laughs> oh my god. I think when I read that little pamphlet, I think I said that too. When I read that little pamphlet and saw Junichi Suave, I'm like, okay, I know which one Ian is. <laughs> <laughs> you did say that. 
Well, I know where Ian Sinclair's going in this fucking show. <laughs> I would have suspected it when I made my predictions, but I didn't. <laughs> so you when would in doubt, know. Ian and out. <laughs> yes. You would know Ian Sinclair as Dandy from Space Dandy. He's a dandy man. In space. <laughs> you would also know him as the impeccably coiffed Brook from One Piece. The one-eyed Warwick Archangelo from Gangsta. <laughs> and Whis from Dragon Ball Super. Uh, Lilium is played by Jason Lebrecht, who you would know as Yato from Noragami and Noragami Aragoto. <laughs> you would know him as Mitsunokami Yoshiyuki from Tokenrambu Hanamaru. Principal Ench, a.k.a. Enchman from Shin-Chan, and Champa from Dragon Ball Super. And again, like Aaron Roberts, it was a role he played in Xenoverse 2 that will likely carry over. And Moe is played by Rachel Robinson, <laughs> who you would know as Oerba Yunfang from Final Fantasy XIII. Zorn Blitz from Helsing Ultimate. I think it was volumes 5, 6, and 7. I think it was that set, yeah. Uh, Foreign Geese from the Heroic Legend of Arslan. And Angelica from Shobai Rock. What did you guys think of these three? Hey. Get wrecked, LeBrack. Hey. <laughs> yes, uh, yep, yep, these three were very interesting. Like, yeah, uh, they were. Yeah, like, uh, when it came to Ian Sinclair in particular, like, uh, like, I was mostly just looking at the, uh, character design for this one, so when I heard Ian Sinclair was doing this character, I was pretty surprised. I like, was kind of surprised, too, because it's one of those, because, let me guess, it's one of those things where, like, the character design didn't quite match up with the voice that came out of it? Yes, yes I mean, yeah, because I mean, At least yeah, yeah, at least this week, because he kind of looked like an yeah. older gentleman, and I yeah. don't really associate Ian Sinclair with that. But everybody, I mean, but uh, he played the character. He played the character very well. He, like, he kind of like stayed in business at all times. Kind of, mm. as I uh, kind of very stern tone, and I really appreciated that. As I uh, as for Jason Lebrecht, like I really kind of used, like I got used to him being the hero a lot of the time, or at the very least, like hyperactive characters. So kind of seeing him being like a swarmy villain is a really interesting change of pace for me. And, uh, and he played that character very, very well. <laughs> like, like, I, like, I actively yeah. wanted to punch that character in the face towards the end. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and, uh, yep, and then for Rachel Robinson, like, I, it feels like it's been a while since I've heard her, like, probably not since Belsing, but, uh, she, I think, eh, but I really liked her performance here. It was, like, very much a whole business, and it really fit the character. But I say, you need, like, a strong, powerful female voice. Rachel Robin is definitely one of your go-to, like, your, one of your go-tos for that. And... Farron Geese, is that you? <laughs> and for Rachel, it's, oh, I love it. It's one, it's one of my favorite performances from here, because she just takes the reins, takes control of every, any and every situation she's in, and she knows exactly what she's doing. So, like... And my god, the turnabout of a turnabout mm -hmm. in episode 12. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Her delivering the speech of Rex. Rex The Reckoning. Yep, I, the yep, I really did not see that coming. Yeah, I know. That's the last thing I saw coming. <laughs> Nobody did, because I was. I think I just started screaming. 
what? <laughs> like, flat what? Like, for fun? Oh my god, like... Mm. There are so many things about the three of these performances themselves that are so intricate and so well done that it's insane. I could not for the life of me place who Lilium was. I had to keep looking it up. I was like, who the fuck is this? Oh, it's Jason Lebrecht. Watch another. Who the fuck was that? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just. It was that good! Like, I, 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 I'm with Jet where I'm so used to Jason Lebrecht being, like, Yato or Sua from. Or. Sua, right? From Orange? Yeah. Yes. Or, um, his character in Gun Guy in Token Ranbu, like, the smarty yeah. jackass. Like, he is so good at being the happy-go-lucky... Yet smarmy <laughs> motherfucker. And that then there's... suddenly he goes into complete slimeball mode, yeah. and it's magical! It is just awful. And here's the thing. At the beginning of the show, you could never tell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, was like, it, it was a subtle enough shift in performance that it really came out and was really... A great transition, very successful with his performance, and I'm like, oh, what was it? It was the end of episode nine when he's talking Where to he Grossler. Grossler's hair. I'm like, holy no. shit, this dude is up to something. That was great. <laughs> and it was amazing. And, and the thing is, too, is, um, William's got his brothers that he talks to. Too, yes. And his playoff of Jerry and I forget who plays his other brother, and I'm really sorry, and I can't look it up right now like how he speaks to them is different than how he speaks to gene mm -hmm. or john or gene or fuck gene. um is and it's different how he speaks to move or how he speaks to grossler or he speaks to the other five the other four district the other three district chiefs and also just god ian's performance as grossler as this disillusioned politician um, yeah. just so quiet and so subtle. I mean, like, yeah, you know it's Ian Sinclair. Ian Sinclair is one of those gentlemen who happens to have a very distinct voice unless you tell him to go full Tatum and you have Carnival, which is another Bevan show. <laughs> um, but the way that he plays Grossler and the idea that the gene puts in the back of your, at the end, where it's like maybe Grossler knew the whole time and that's why he never said a word to me. And, like, maybe he talks to Gene because he knows who he really right, is. Right, I remember that. Yeah, I remember um, that, too. <laughs> it just... It, it's just so good. And then he has that scene where he gets his hair pulled and he's brought down by, like, a sad old dog with a horrible master. Mm. And then <laughs> he comes... And then you get to see him come out of it in the last episode when... The Great Reckoning comes on Lillian's fucking head, oh and God, God is- I- I'm sorry, that is one of the most satisfying moments in any anime I've ever watched. It was beautiful. It's watching- it Magical. It's just watching Moe walk for- John nod his head, and Moe walk the forward, and the look of, this isn't supposed to happen, and that comes across Lillian's face, and Rachel Robinson just delivers the speech that is the smiting and the middle finger to the Lilium family. And it's so wonderful, and God, this show is so good! That, that scene is just so satisfying. 
<laughs> like, but not... she delivers the line that, John, you're a king, or John, you're a prince. Like, there's so many moments for her, too, that she gets... She has this stern yet loving voice and caring voice. And the fact that Rachel Robinson has to play Mauve as if she doesn't know, but she really knows what's going to happen. And she never lets it slip. <laughs> and it's like a four episode arc. Mm. <laughs> like she is definitely like high up in my dubby listings for winner. And it will probably stick. Yeah. <laughs> she is phenomenal. She's, She's got like that. She doesn't have a lot of stiff competition coming from other shows, honestly. And it's not a knock against the other shows because a lot of them are really good. And obviously, we don't know what spring and fall titles that Funimation has. But <laughs> damn, did she blow her competitors out of the water for winter? God, <laughs> it's gonna. It's tough. It's like, tough competition. <laughs> My God. Like, that took subtlety and nuance to a whole new level. Absolutely. And yeah, oh Ian Sinclair's Grossular. Like, uh, I can't put into words what I like about it. It's... Like, he's just so downtrodden and defeated mm. in the start of the in the start of the series. And then slowly, as the coup starts working its way up, you start seeing building confidence... And then Lilium wrecks him in episode 9. And then all of a sudden in episode 12, when Mauve delivers the reckoning, not just on Lilium, but Prince Schwan, <clears throat> you just see him perk back up and then he retires, but she keeps him on. Ah, oh, it's just like the dynamic between Grossular and Mauve is just wonderful. Are you guys ready to move on to the individual characters? Yeah. Yep. I mean, basically, I guess I, I guess our um, thoughts really are like, hey, these performances are fan fucking fantastic. Moving right along. What we got like Duck three left, I think. Yep. Yep. Which is good because it's starting to get a little bit late. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that, but this is just one of those shows you just. There's yeah. just so no, much so, to oh, talk no, about. No, 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 it's okay. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. It's a really good show. So, our first individual character is uh, Gene Otis's baby sister, who I believe up to the end is completely oblivious to the just big, big family revelation no. that sparks the entire coup. Oh, no, no. You're right. Yeah, like epi yeah, episode, episode 9. Episode 9. I completely forgot. Because um, lo and behold. Um, might as well say this about Lada and G yeah. at this point. So, partway through the show, because we kind of, like, dropped little bits of it here and there, um, we find out that Lada and Jean are both of royal blood. Um, their mother, uh, she is a princess, or was, and, um, she essentially, did. yeah, essentially she wanted to see more of the outside world, so the king let her... Um, but she was basically taken out of the family registry. So that's how come no, but not really a lot of people knew about this. Except for, well, at least for most of the show. One character we're going to talk about soon. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, yeah, Lotta really just finds out um, when 
a group of guards are sent to try and assassinate her or kidnap her. <laughs> I think it was basically like dead or alive. Yeah. And yeah. The, and the second time it was definitely dead. <laughs> For Jean, anyway. Um, but yeah, she was basically protected by both Rail and Owl um, from that. So yeah. And Madge, because Madge told Maggie told That's them. Maggie Maggie told Rail. He told Rail about it. He's like, bro, I need you to protect her. What, bro, 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 just bro, it. just do Advisor, it. Advisor, I'm fed up. I I would quit if I could. <laughs> I'm gonna fight anyway. it. Praise the toast. <laughs> toast saves. Anyway, Lota Otis. Um, she is played in the English dub by Alexis Tipton. Huzzah! Who you would know as uh, replacing Laura Bailey as Kid Trunks in Dragon Ball Super. Uh, she was Saya Kisaragi in Blood Sea. She was Mei Hatsume in My Hero Academia Season 2. Uh, Mahiro Hiraki in Seraph of the End. Run! She's a ghost and a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Yuko Nishigori in Yuri on Ice. Oh, Lord. I'd also like to point out, if I'm correct, I think Tia Ballard plays her mom in that show. You mean this Princess Shuri. Yeah, Tia is the princess, is um, Jean and Lada's yes. mother. Oh, okay, I was not able to look that up. That is good to know. Oh, yep, cool. that was Tia. I recognize cool. that voice anyway. Yep, that was Mama Tia. Mama Tia. Run, which means eventually uh, when when they have a kid, uh, if she and Rail will ever hook up and get together and have a kid, it's obviously going to be voiced by Felicia on Gilt as you continue the change. Um, <laughs> nice. No, I loved, she was so fucking She's She's normal. Almost cloyingly so, but thankfully it never gets to that. Yeah. That oh god annoying point. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is good. Which I have to say, like, has rarely happened with Alexa Stepton, and I'm kind of impressed. Yeah, you have a good point. I mean, she does the cutesy thing a lot, but it's never gotten to the point where it's, like, annoying, which is great. Now, her character in Fairy Tale, otherwise. <sighs> um, wait, wait, I don't even remember what character she is in that show. <laughs> she's the creepy, she's the, the one that's into cats, that's of, uh, in Tower of Heaven. Uh, oh, oh, right. oh, 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 okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forget her name. We're getting close to Grand Magic Games, y'all. I know she comes back. <laughs> uh, but no. Um, God, no, she's really good in... Like, I think she... She doesn't really understand what's going on. Like, she um, knows shit's going down. But she doesn't understand it. She doesn't understand it, and she's trying to basically keep everybody calm. I must almost say, she, she gets to live quite a life. Like, she gets to go out to eat pretty much every night. I wish I could. <laughs> well, when you're a princess. When you're a secret princess. And you don't even know it's the part we through. Yeah. I think for me, one of the moments that really got me was at the end where she does kind of have a bit of hint of sadness in her voice when she brings the bride to Doa to talk to her aunt. I think Lydia McKay aunt. Um, um, no, I think that is uh, Cynthia Kranz. Oh, cool. Time to find this. I just don't know the name of the aunt. <laughs> just sweet cinnamon roll, and she has a little bit of sadness in her voice regarding um, regarding her her... Her, it's like, you know she attempted to murder you, right? 
Oh, yeah. Little sis. Yeah, Roos, you right. Cynthia Krantz. Yeah, but, uh, I, I figured it sounded like her, but anyway. No, I think she did really good. I feel like Lada gets to have kind of a little bit of the comedic relief moments or quieter moments. But she has a really good performance, and I think Alexis nailed it. Yeah. And in particular, you know, the assassination attempt of episode 9. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, like Aaron Dismuke, that is probably the high point of her in the show. Yeah, I would definitely say that, too. Definitely a high point for both her and Aaron's performances. For those oh, yeah, definitely. Cute, adorable cinnamon roll. Doesn't do anything wrong. It's, uh, I think it's perfect. <laughs> I'm just like, I love it. Don't you dare... Hurt that smile. Protect that <laughs> Protect smile. Protect that smile. <laughs> Protect that child. Protect this innocent child from danger. Okay, uh, so I guess we're ready to move on to our maid too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Bro, I love the nickname of the next one. Bro, dad. <laughs> yeah. Bro, dad. So. Biting tongue, biting tongue, biting tongue. <laughs> so bite secret. <laughs> Uh, Jean's best friend secretly kind of bodyguard-ish kind of observer. We have Nino, a.k.a. Crow. Nino. <laughs> like, the super slick, super cool. Okay, I just want to say something really quick on the gutter. Like, I nearly almost spat up my drink when I saw the choice regarding his actual age. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, everyone did! <laughs> like, he's high school, he's he's Gene's high school friend, but he's like 10 years older. Yeah. Dad, he has... I'm I think that line got me. Dad, I'm 25. Yeah. That was Actually, great. I'm yeah. like, what? High school, he'd have to be what? Gene would have to be what, 13? So he's like 12 years older? Uh, no, Gene would be 14, 14 15. Okay. So about 10, 11. Okay. High school's four years. Unless yep. they're going by the Japanese high school method, which he would be about 15. Okay, so yeah, about 10 years. Um, and you mentioned him as a bodyguard. Now I'm imagining when... Spoiler alert. So the man with... Vic Mignogna tries to kill Gene at one point. And Nino takes the shot. Why did you do it? And because you mentioned the bodyguard, Nino just turns to Gene. And died! <laughs> well, 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 you know... Push like, him to surgery. <laughs> we need to call the branch off. Full disclosure, <laughs> like yeah. I kind of got that vibe between Nino and Gene. Yeah, 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 gay. yeah, yeah. The ending, like I wasn't too sure for both of you, and then the ending was like, "Yep." <laughs> Maybe. All I know is this: if I can bring this up, hey, Fua District. Why the fuck do you need to consult the branch chiefs to get a goddamn <laughs> I know, right? I was like, we don't have time for this. Get Nino to a Especially hospital. for another Aka member. What the shit? Well, they probably didn't know it was an Aka member. <laughs> and, you know, like... Nino's supposed to be like kept hidden, you know? And all. But, um, get in, down, in any case... Get down, Mr. President. <laughs> God damn it. I actually have a funny story about that, but not here. Later. Um... Um, so Nino is played by Christopher Bevins. He's got there's always somewhere at his own dubs. Because he got a, he's got a self-insert. Every, every um, director self-inserts somehow, I feel like. I, I, but yeah, but he's, like, notorious for it at this point. <laughs> True. Him and Mike McFarlane. Him and Mike McFarlane are notorious for it. Yeah. 
Uh, so you would know him as Narciss in the Heroic Legend of Arslan. Yes. Um, he is Japan in the Hitalia franchise. <laughs> Shit. He's Mr. Scotch Tape himself, Hantasero, in My Hero Academia. I can't believe his helmet is a fucking tape dispenser. <laughs> I never noticed until you oh. said that! Oh my god! If somebody po pointed it out on Twitter, I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. What? Now I have to really look at this. Oh man. To Google. Oh man. And, I uh, and he's also Natsuki Issei in All Out. All I know is this. I wonder if when Cliff Chapin is, like, getting too high on his horse and Bevins is around, if Bevins just takes a thing of tape and tapes him to a chair. <laughs> oh my god, that'd be funny. Holy shit! Alright, Clifford, time to hold- His helmet is a tape dispenser. I fucking told you! What the fuck? Anyway, let's talk about Nino. Holy Let's talk god. Bevins. Oh, by the way, because yeah. there is a baby Nino. Baby Nino is Brina Palencia. FYI. Okay, yeah, I kind of figured that was the case. It, also, it his dad is Eric like Vale, it. proving that once again, Eric Vale uh, is good with. He doesn't kill a child. <laughs> He's actually Wait, a good dad for Shanine once. Is under 18, in a show. That's still technically a child in this show. Eric Vale helps kill children. Oh <laughs> no I'm kidding. Yeah, well, I mean, as a, uh, I mean, at this point, whenever you have a glasses character in a show, it's like kind of a toss-up between either. Chris Bevins or J. Michael Tatum, so, like, I wasn't too surprised it was Christopher Bevins because he's pretty much always at his own show somewhere. As I, I, mean, but it, I mean, but it was uh, definitely a really solid performance. He, is it, like, he played it, he played the character to his chest really well, like, like, a lot of the revelations concerning the character were very surprising, and he, <laughs> so, like, and he really kind of nailed a lot of the bigger moments. And uh, I definitely had a lot of fun with it. Like, I'm I'm usually kind of leery about whenever a director casts themselves in a major role. Just, like, out of nature of the beast. But, you know, a lot of the ones Bevins has done for himself, namely Narciss, um... Uh, there's one other one that I'm thinking of that I, I can't pinpoint, but, um... He's a nine in Terror that's yeah, that's like one okay. of the bigger ones. But there are stuff like Narciss and Nine. Um, you really, when you stop to think about it, can't think of really anyone better. And in particular with Nino. Like, I cannot think of anybody else in the dub playing him. I may have even predicted it. But I don't have my... I don't have my predictions on me, so I can't say. Exactly. For sure. I feel like if I had done predictions for this show, I probably would have predicted him. But uh, yeah, I definitely could have seen anyone else playing him. I'm about to say I did not predict Bevins. Honestly, <laughs> I'm looking at my list that I made. I had four predictions, and all four of them were so fucking different <laughs> from each other. Do you want to know who I had for this originally? Yeah, sure. Why not? Hmm. So, I actually had Ian Sinclair as a first choice. Yeah. Then I went Dave Matranga. Then here are the here are the two really odd ones. Marcus Stemmick and Clifford Chapin. And uh, Cl no, Cl Clifford Chapin's not that weird. Well, I mean, it can be. Okay, no, it's weird in regards to how old the character actually is. But that, on that's paper, the it's weird that part. Because, again, again, obviously, would not know what age Nino is. Though, 
personally, I think, because I'm kind of of the same opinion as Roots, where it's sometimes iffy wherever directors cast themselves as major roles, but at least for Bevins, when he does that, it's usually in actually a really good spot, because I, I love Narciss, and Megan will remember this when we talked about Terror and Resonance. Or, you hated it. No, first, originally, you didn't no, like yeah, it. originally I was iffy of it, but then by the end, I absolutely loved it. Like, yeah, Bevins has a great voice. He does, and in this case with Nino, I loved it from start to finish. I think he was probably one of my favorite performances from the show, Barnum. My question is, how did he direct himself through the twist about Nino's age? Oh my god. Because <laughs> I have to imagine that had to be a challenge as a character. Mm. Like, It's like, okay, I don't know a lot about this character. Here, let's dump his entire backstory into an episode. Yeah. Oh my god. Well then. <laughs> He's 45. He's like, derp. What? <laughs> Shit. And I think he also plays... I like how he plays Nino with this sense of sadness mm. and not knowing what to really do with his life. But still, it's, it's just... I kind of want to see what happens after the end with them. Like Yeah, because after this the, is the, the big thing is Nino has been essentially following... Set free. Well, no, here's the thing. That's not the point I'm making. Nino has essentially been following... Gene's life, even before he was born. And that's the only thing he knows up until the point, until the end of the show when he's essentially set free and all this stuff is done and over with. So, yeah, I I would be interested to see what he would do after the fact, but obviously that's where the show ended, so... Yeah, maybe there's like an epilogue chapter in the manga. Maybe. That they put out in like a couple years as a retrospective. I hope they do. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Well, I mean, I think it, the manga was recently licensed to be released here, too. If I remember right? Yes. yes. <clears throat> it's licensed by Yen Press. Yes! Okay. I remember that being an announcement, so... I know something I'm gonna have to get, <laughs> eventually. But yeah, for me, I would say Bevins was definitely among my favorite performances from the show. Like, easily. Because I thought it was great from start to finish, because you could see those subtle changes in emotion coming in throughout. Because, of course, this is one of those shows where this, where subtlety is a huge key factor for a lot of these characters. And Nino's story in particular was so well performed and well done. And I just loved every second of it. Alright, so are we ready to move on to our final character? The big tuna! Yeah. The prince Let's himself. get smoking! Too cool for school, man. Yeah, I had him listed as too cool for school on the cheat sheet, so. <laughs> um, the Akka agent, whose cunning made him climb up the ranks, but his secret royal heritage might make him the leader? Uh, Gene Otis. Gene! I love Gene. He's a doofus. <laughs> yep, drunk, drunk Gene. He is a lovable goof. Drunk Gene is best Gene. <laughs> yep, and... Drunk Gene is what happens at cons. Yes. People. Yep, and yeah. who is... You got drunk and somehow you end up in the fucking bed. Yep, and who exactly <laughs> is don't playing end up on our show. chill protagonist this time? Alright, so playing Gene Otis, we have Austin Tyndall. Austin Tyndall? What? what? <laughs> 
who you would know as Karma Akabane in Assassination Classroom. And, Karma. you know, Koro Sensei Quest and all that. Uh, Ken Kaneki in Tokyo Ghoul. Coffee Karma. Here we go. Uh, Obi in Snow White with the Red Hair. Ninja Karma. Ninja Karma. And that guy, Crowley Usford in Seraph of the End. Vampire Karma. Oh, the Karma. So which Karma is Gene? <laughs> Smoking Karma, duh. <laughs> well, Actually, kind of a funny you story also, with Gene, you too. Also, you could also probably call him Prince Karma, so... <laughs> to be fair, King yeah. Karma. Smoking Prince Karma. <laughs> Done. Let's go. <laughs> Jet wins. Like... I have a funny story that kind of that kind of goes into my one sort of minor complaint about Awesome Tyndall as Gene. I had actually watched the first episode of the show with my mom in the room. And she, after the episode ended, she looked at me and she said, you know, the, the main character, he sounds a bit young for a chain smoker. Because, you know... Like, chain smoking is this big thing, and cigarettes play a huge role in the show itself. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, they're, they're like a status symbol, and then all of the all the branch chiefs of Akka give Jean a cigarette as a symbol of they are in support of the coup. Mm. That is basically my real complaint. It's not that major but he just sounds a little too young and that might be that might be something that can be worked out in the home video release if not it's not a deal breaker mm. yeah I can, kind of, I can kind of understand that complaint like I mean like I hadn't really said a lot of on who I wanted before the actual dubcast came out but I was kind of surprised to see Austin Tindall there initially yeah I was a little <laughs> surprised too yeah. Who did you guys all have first? Um, <laughs> I think, well, I kind of ended up getting spoiled, and I actually just deleted my predictions for but I ended up getting spoiled, so I kind of knew ahead of time that it was Austin before I actually fully made predictions. That may have been where I stuck Bevins. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I could yeah, I probably could have seen that. As I, but then again... You know, I think in the Japanese as well. Is it, yeah, um, I don't think he like, sounded a bit young. Yeah, he didn't sound that deep either. Yeah, because yeah. there's a difference between Nino, who's like in his 40s, and Gene's probably like in his 30s. So. Okay. Uh, Which I thought when they said Gene was in his 30s, I was like, excuse me? I think like the only problem I kind of had with it this week, like I think I was just like just coming off of finishing my love story and uh, his character in that show. As I, I mean, I mean, so I guess, so I guess it kind of fell a little bit by the numbers initially, but uh, as he kind of went on, went further along, he kind of made the character into more of his own thing. As I, um, as I, I really liked it more as he went along, kind of uh, pretty. A, a little bit more chill than I usually expect from Boston Tindall, but it definitely worked. See, I had a little bit of an opposite effect. Like, I thought it was too... St- I didn't think it was, like, by like by the numbers. It was, like, so stoic no, no, and it seemed a little out of Okay, okay, when I say by the numbers, I don't necessarily mean bad. I guess it's kind of mean, like, Austin Tindall kind of being Austin Tindall. And... Okay. But... But, I, I, I guess it just kind of didn't really feel the character itself until a little bit further in. But. That was my that basically the same thing with me. Like, it was so stoic, and I'm like, why does this not fit in my 
why does this not fit and not work? And like, I don't know about this anymore. But then like, as the show progressed and the more, again, it's those subtle, like subtle twists and little things that you learn that change the character. It definitely grew on me and I enjoyed it by the end. It was just the initial probably first few episodes that was a little bit like, I don't know about how I feel about him being stoic. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like the party at Doa Kingdom that things started to turn yeah, around. Yeah, definitely. I think that's when it started. That's shifting. when it clicked into place. Yes. I think for me, the metaphor that I'm thinking of of stuff like it's not fitting is: Have you ever seen videos of dogs with big sticks trying to go through the fence, and they keep trying to go through long way? They keep trying to go through horizontally. And they keep banging into the thing. And then eventually the dog is like, oh, well, if I turn my face and walk in, I can go through the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, I think that's how it works. And for me, I actually really liked it from the get-go. I mean, he kind of sounded like Austin Tyndall in real life, too. <laughs> so I met him a couple times, and he's a really sweet guy. Like... Hello from your asshole. Um, yes. From those assholes. But I think, like, I loved when he finally started, I think you can say, enjoying his job. Mm. You can tell when he started, his perspective on stuff started to turn yeah. around. Because um, here's a, fun, cause here's a so, funny story. Apparently he applies constantly to be transferred out of the inspection department. Which now we know only to have Owl tear it apart each year like the asshole he is. Because the thing is, apparently those transfer notices never make it through for some reason that in the end we find out why that is. It's like, well, <laughs> my only wish that would have happened is when they said we were all going out to dinner and he had the list of assignments that he would have said where everybody went. Um... But we know Warbler, I think everybody stayed put where they were. Um, Probably. <laughs> but uh, I think one of my favorite moments is in the show is when he goes to the underground place. Mm. Yep. And he has the talk with um, whoever the hell heads that district about, um, about enjoying life. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was one of the best scenes for him. And then you have the the kind of ending, uh, you know, you'd make a good king between him and Nino scene with the prom and uh, when he talks to Mauve about how he appreciates Grossler and I think though the one um, the one kind of real like cement this performance is one of the best I've heard probably from Tyndall since Konaki in my personal opinion is when he goes out to Grossler and says do you want to have a chat? We've got all night. Which I'm assuming is when everything was laid out. Yeah. yeah. And Grossler's like, I'm free, damn it! <laughs> Huzzah! Huzzah, I'm free from the asshole who pulls my pretty <laughs> <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs> get wrecked, Lilio. No, 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 the proper thing is get, bro get wrecked, Lebrecht. <laughs> But yeah, I'm sorry. Like, that's a th that's gotta be a thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like Austin Tyndall didn't get like a big moment like oh, yeah, several like, other characters did, yeah. like Rachel Robinson or. But what he does get is like these little subtle moments of, you know, when he's sitting in the diner with Mauve. I, oh no no it wasn't a dinner it was a fancy restaurant mm. 
when she invites him out, and he's just completely smitten. Yep. <clears throat> or the party, or, you know, the whole thing in Suitsu, and the, uh, oh god, what was the mining colony one? Um, uh, yes, I need to look that up real quick. Uh, I think it was something with a Y. Pranetta. Ah, uh, okay. Where he's basically, you know, getting told, hey, just about everybody goes bust here, but we can't just trample on the dreams of everyone. Mm. <laughs> and he starts clicking everything together, particularly with uh, Furrow and Elium. <clears throat> like, it's just that, just these little subtle magic moments. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, yeah, I definitely remember the uh, site that I bit in the restaurant really kind of endeared a lot to me. Oh, and he was also yeah. drunk too. Which I'd imagine playing drunk isn't as easy as actually being drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can definitely imagine that. <laughs> okay, I guess everybody's done. <laughs> Yeah. I think at this point, yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, if you would like to watch Akka Legally, you can find it subtitled on Crunchyroll, who have 15 plus hours of fully licensed content. Wait, just. Everything. <clears throat> A large percentage of what you put into your subscription goes directly to Japan. Uh, a monthly subscription is $6.95 or $11.95 for Premium Plus. Premium Plus, which gives you access to store discounts, an improved customer service experience. You get entered into, I believe it's yearly or twice a year they they have a contest that send people to japan damn that you can be entered in uh they also have a 30-day free trial and if you would like the dub you can find that at funimation which at six uh 5.99 a month <clears throat> gives you access to a large swath of funimation's dubs including simul dubs done two to five weeks after Japanese broadcast, a uh, two-week free trial, and as with the free trial with Crunchyroll, um, if you do not cancel your subscription within that two weeks, your card will be charged, so make sure you do that. Um, but I also wanted to bring up another streaming service that has recently come up. You will be able to find Akka's dub and subs there. Um, it is known as Verb, V-R-V. <clears throat> it is a streaming service run by Elation, who own Crunchyroll. And it is basically... I don't know how you would describe it. It's like a bunch of smaller channels. In one bigger channel. In one, big, in one bigger service. Um, for $9.95 or $9.99, I can't remember which. Basically, like, 10 bucks a month. Uh, you get a combo pack, which consists of Crunchyroll, Funimation, uh, you also get Geek and Sundry for things like Critical Role or Talking Heads, you get Mondo, 
which gives you access to animated shorts like Batman Piderman, Axe Cop, and Deep Space 69. You get Channel Frederator, which again, animated shorts like Being Puppycat and Bravest Warriors. Uh, you get Nerdus, which gives you access to Shop Brothers movies and uh, original segments like Because Science. Uh, Rooster Keith, which gives you access to things like Red and Blue, Death Battle, Ruby, that kind of stuff. And, um, and a channel called Tested, which is run by Adam Savage of Mythbusters. And you can also purchase additional channels such as CISO which I believe is like a comedy-ish network for $3.99 a month. Rift Tracks for $4.99 a month. Uh, Jinx, I'm not sure exactly what they do, but that is $1.75 a month. Shudder, which is basically horror, that is $4.99 a month. And Machinima for $1.99 a month. Now, do bear in mind, however, there is... While you get Funimation and Crunchyroll, there is a couple of missing patches of content between the two, as they have not been moved over yet. In particular, and kind of glaring, is stuff like One Piece and Tokyo Ghoul. Also, all of Funimation's Summer 2016 simuldub, save for uh, Puzzle and Dragon's Cross, are not on the service yet. <laughs> Now, uh, as, uh, uh, one other thing you might want to note is that if you have a Crunchyroll account, you can actually link it to your VRV account, and then you won't have to pay for both services. But as of right now, you yep. can't do that with Funimation. So how can we find all of you out there on the social medias? Well, I'm the shortest. <laughs> uh, you can just follow me over at QueenYour2 on the Twitters, uh, where I shitpost, cry... And post pictures of my cat, Shinja. Maybe sometimes Maka and Luna if they want to come out. Okay, and uh, you can find me on Twitter as at DivineNega, or you can uh, follow my blog, Animation Infinity, or my current uh, reviews for My Hero Academia Season 2 on the Phantom Post. My name is Stephanie, also known as Lilac to some people. Um... You can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R E B U E. Uh, and I'm just gonna say, if you don't watch Akka, you're dumb. You're dumb. You're stupid. Go watch it. Goddamn. And you can find me, Roots of Justice, on Twitter at Roots of Justice, where I retweet pug pics, kind of get into tinfoil hat theories. <laughs> so many tinfoil hat theories. <laughs> And other fun stuff. Um, I all, I'll also have a blog eventually. I know I keep saying that, but you know, <laughs> it'll happen someday. I, I, keep <laughs> I keep struggling to figure out what I want to do with it. One of these days, I'll figure it out. <clears throat> oh, I also run charts. <laughs> yes, he, well, he, he is the chart charts. master. He is the he, chart master for. Yes, he is our chart master. <laughs> and you can follow Dub Top on a lot on of things. We have a Twitter account, Dub Talk Podcast, I believe. Yes. Yep. And and all the words capital. Um. The no, I think, first of each, I think the first of each letter is cap. The first letter of each word is capital. Basically, any okay. and all of our social medias: Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. All of the handles for them are Dub Talk Podcast. Um, though for Tumblr 
and Instagram, it's all lowercase letters, and then Twitter, um, uppercase letters for the beginning of each word. And, uh, I mean, you're watching this already, but Dub Talk on YouTube. Yeah, subscribe here for more Russian shenanigans. On a damn And do. <clears throat> please do like and subscribe, and also, like, ring the bell for notifications. Like, it helps us a lot. Yeah. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I, I need to go get some toast, guys. Anybody want some toast? Uh, Ooh, I could go for some I, toast. I need a nap. Yeah, I need to like, get to sleep. So. <laughs> well, not after some yeah. toast. You I need, need some toast cool. first, and then you go, go to sleep, okay? I'll make some toast. Oh, hell, the toast overload. I think <laughs> I'm gonna smoke another cigarette no! and throw up again. No! <laughs> no! I don't, we don't need another vomit incident right now. <laughs> Okay. So, from us at Dub Talk, we would like to bid you adieu and Otaku Wanda Dubbers! Bye! Bye! Good night, everyone! Praise the toast!